Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today we've got a nuclear revenge story against an uncle. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I made my roommate loser $100,000 scholarship. I was ecstatic and very excited today that I barely slept the whole of last night. It's not just because I'm the valedictorian for today's speech, but also because I received a congratulatory mail from the college of my dreams. I've always dreamt of going to Stanford University. The most beautiful thing about my admission to Stanford is the partial scholarship I was given due to my outstanding grades in high school. I used the whole of my summer break to prepare earnestly for my resumption. I read extensively on the school and I bought everything I needed. I looked forward to the resumption and when the day came eventually, I couldn't contain my excitement. My parents drove me down to school and I sang gleefully all the way down. Stanford University was everything I dreamt it would be. I was struck by the magnificence of the structures and the different facilities in it. I made up my mind to make meaningful connections and join as many social clubs as possible. Together with my mom, we headed for my room that I was to share with two people. When we got in, there were two people in there but only one of them welcomed us warmly. She let out an excited scream and ran to hug me. With smiles, she hugged my mom too and told her that she'd been expecting us to arrive since. I felt good and certain that I'd gotten a new friend in my roommate, Viola. She helped me unpack my bags and arranged my space for me. When my mom was satisfied that I'd settled in nicely, she gave me a warm hug and left. I was left alone with my two roommates. I felt worried that my other roommate ignored me the whole time. I decided to stretch out an olive branch. I greeted her and said, Hi roomie, you look beautiful. Can I know your name, please? She acted like she didn't hear what I just said. I decided to try again. With a warm smile, I said, Hello? I'm Kate, your new roommate. Can I get to know you, please? She then hissed, picked up her headset, wore it, and turned to the other side of her bed. It was at that moment I realized she didn't accept me as her roommate. Viola apologized on her behalf and told me not to take her attitude seriously. She later told me her name, Sandra. Her attitude was a rude shock I wasn't expecting to get from a newbie like me. I shrugged it off and went about my activities for that day. The next day was my first day in class. By 12pm I had one of my major course, and when I entered the lecture hall, the first person my eyes met was that of my snobbish roommate Sandra. She whispered something to her friends who looked at me and then let out a mocking laugh. I sighed and she looked away. My first day in class was supposed to be a happy one, but I was sad because I realized I'd be sharing classrooms with someone that hated me. We were majoring on the same course. While the lecture was going on, I resolved to settle things with her. I didn't want anything to affect my level of concentration in class. I returned to my room in the evening and I met Sandra reading. I was impressed that she started reading this early. I wanted to have someone like her as a friend. So I walked up to her and with the brightest smile I said, Hello Sandra, I noticed we attended the same classes today. I love that you're reading already. Can we be friends? I stretched my hands for a handshake and she refused to stretch hers. 
With disappointment, I put my hands down and turned to my bed space. While leaving, she muttered that something about me is disgusting. I opened my mouth in shock. This girl is totally witchy. We continued living together with Sandra giving me the silent treatment. I became close friends with Viola. We talked about everything and we went to parties and even the library together. When I noticed that Sandra was up most nights reading, I asked Viola why and she told me she was on a full scholarship and that her grades will determine if she continues as a recipient or not in the next school year. So I decided to become serious too with my academics. And I also went about gaining relevant experiences that'll help after graduation. I joined three clubs in college and I was always volunteering with an NGO, non-governmental agency, close to my campus. The organization had an event that got me very busy the whole day. I was working throughout that and I forgot to eat. When I got back to the room, I was so tired that I went straight to bed. I slept off immediately. Sleep hits differently when I'm tired. I started dreaming of floating on puffy clouds. Suddenly, I felt myself sinking into a vengeful abyss of hunger. Hunger woke me. I could feel the worms in my stomach fighting for supremacy, but when I checked my wardrobe and cupboard, I realized I had nothing left. I finished every single food item I had without replacing it. I knew I was in trouble when I realized that Viola wasn't in the room. I tried drinking water and going back to bed, but I was so hungry I couldn't. All this while Sandra was in her corner reading as usual. I saw an unfinished box of pizza on her table with a bottle of orange juice. I summoned up courage and decided to ask her for some. I went to her reading space and apologized for disturbing her. With a pleading voice, I asked her to give me a little of her leftover pizza and that I hadn't eaten all day due to work. She gave me an emphatic no. I was shocked to my bones and was at the verge of crying. She wasn't moved and went back to reading. I spent the night counting the ceiling and praying earnestly for the day to break. First thing the following morning, I went to the grocery store and restocked my provisions. I then returned back to my room to offload. When I wanted to toss my empty milk cans, I noticed that Sandra tossed the remaining slices of pizza she refused to share with me last night. How more wicked could a human be? I decided to have nothing to do with her again. After arranging my stuff, I went to a restaurant and ate my fill before going to class. Everything was going well till the day I went to open my wardrobe and something suddenly jumped on me. I screamed in shock as I was trying to avoid coming in contact with it. I hit my head on the wardrobe. I felt an electrifying pain on my head. While I was trying to numb the pain, Sandra was laughing quietly on her bed. I felt rage build within me like never before. I prayed to God for control. I was at the verge of tears. Viola consoled me and asked Sandra why there was a cat in my wardrobe. She casually told her that she got a cat because she needed one. I was mad with rage. How could she make that important decision without seeking our permission first? And why was the darn cat in my wardrobe? I was ready to fight it out with Sandra. I walked up to her space and talked right in her face. I yelled at her and told her she was wicked and a witch. She, surprised by my audacity, asked me to leave her space. I then shouted, I dare you to get me out of here with your ugly, wretched body. She took a step closer and slapped me right on my cheek. Without wasting time, I gave her two hot slaps. I was ready to pour out all the anger in me and her when Viola succeeded in separating us. I obviously won and Sandra vowed to get even with me. 
After that incident happened, I started actively avoiding Sandra. I didn't want to get engaged in a fight that'll ruin the clean record I was trying to build in Stanford University. All my efforts to avoid Sandra and her antics proved failure as she had another wicked plan for me the following week. It was freezing cold, and I forced myself to the bathroom to have a quick shower before leaving for class. On turning the faucet on, I received the shock of my life as I was greeted with a full blast of icy cold water. The really bad part was the water was red. Someone must have tampered with a shower head, and my guess was as good as yours. Sandra again. Here I was, shivering badly from the cold and still covered with red food coloring from head to toe. I wanted to die from embarrassment as I knocked on the room adjacent mine to beg them to let me use their shower. I was dripping wet and I stained their floor with the nonsense Sandra put in my shower head. After washing myself clean, I thanked my kind neighbor who let me use his shower. I apologized for ruining his floor and I returned to my room. I entered and saw Sandra pretending to read in her workspace. I was too angry to mutter a word. I vowed to make her pay for what she's been doing to me. After dressing up, I took my bag, let out a loud hiss and banged the door after me. I was already planning on how I could have my own pound of flesh. Two could play this game, and Sandra will surely cry forever crossing my path. It was three weeks to exams, and everyone was preparing earnestly for it. One day during one of our revision classes, my lecturer called me out of the blue to answer a question a student was unable to answer. Completely caught off guard, I stammered a bit before I could string my words together. Sandra chose that moment to strike. She muttered loudly, I can bet a thousand dollars that she can't answer your question, sir. She's a numbskull. The whole class of about 300 students roared with laughter after her statement. The word numbskull was on the lips of every student. I was gobsmacked and prayed that the floor opened up and swallowed me at that moment. Tears welled up in my eyes as I tried to find a suitable answer to my lecturer's question and make Sandra ashamed of her statement. But I was blank. My brain was in a riot to come up with a brilliant answer to the question. Seeing I couldn't provide an answer to the question, the whole class roared in laughter again. The lecturer, obviously angry about Sandra's intrusion, sent her out of class and commanded the class to keep quiet. He asked me to sit down, and I did and bowed my head in shame. Sandra had succeeded in ruining the perfect picture I had for myself in Stanford. Now everyone thinks I'm a dummy. I was resolute to make Sandra pay for the embarrassment she caused me. So I got ready to put my plans to action. Sandra loves reading at night, and there's always a bottle of orange juice with a snack she could munch on while reading. I decided to add some benzodiazepine powder in her drink each night before she enters the room. After taking the drink, before settling into her reading mode, after some minutes she feels drowsy and too tired to read. She ends up sleeping all through the night without reading anything. This worked every time and continued till exam week. Besides adding sleeping pills to her drinks, I decided to feed her with some appetite suppressant, a reward for making me starve at night. So each morning, she woke up feeling groggy and with zero appetite. She grew weak by the day and I had my peace of mind. Nothing felt more satisfying than knowing I could go through each day without being haunted by Sandra. Exams came and she wrote most of her papers barely prepared for them. Four days to her first year final exam, I stopped adding the pills to her drinks. 
She was back to her normal self after spending two days to get the drugs off her system. When she became very aware of her surroundings and the situation on ground, she entered a full panic mode. She knew she didn't do well in her previous exams, so she was determined to perform well in her last paper, a major course for that matter. So she started reading earnestly for the exam, a day till the exam. She read with a confused and panicked mind that she wasn't able to prepare much. By midnight, she was on the verge of a mental breakdown. How was she supposed to keep her scholarship with her poor performance in the exams? I saw her bring out her textbooks and begin to write some things down on a piece of paper. This was my perfect opportunity to strike. So I sent an anonymous message to the lecturer of the course the following morning, informing him that one of his students was prepared to cheat during the exam. On the D-Day, after everyone settled in and the question papers were shared around, I started answering the questions immediately. I was engrossed in what I was doing till I heard some noise at the back of the classroom. I turned back and saw that the lecturer had caught Sandra while she was trying to copy from the paper she was writing on last night. She was caught cheating by the lecturer, so her paper was seized and she was sent out of the hall. I saw a broken Sandra crying and walking out of the hall in shame. Two days after our results came out, Sandra was invited by the scholarship board members for a meeting. There, she was made to stand before a panel and was questioned on her involvement in examination malpractice. After much deliberation, it was decided that due to her involvement in examination malpractice and her very poor grades, she was to be dropped off the scholarship scheme. That's how my roommate lost her $100,000 worth of scholarship. Now she's here working her butt off six hours daily to make sure she can cover her tuition fee for the next academic. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Demic session. Each time she dresses up for work, I let out a small laugh. I laughed last, and it's a really throaty one. I think we can all probably agree that while you do want to try to get some kind of revenge probably against somebody that is so standoffish and got in a fight and also mistreats you, doing stuff and intentionally giving them substances without them ever knowing, it's a little too far, don't you think? That said, our next story is, my uncle really had it coming. Hello there, my name is Thomas, and I'm about to tell you the story of how I went too far seeking revenge against a few people. Now I know me starting off with that may not be particularly the best way to make a good first impression, but I assure you, after you've heard my story in its entirety, you'll understand why I did what I did. First though, I'll have to go back quite a bit. The beginning is always the best place to start, right? If there was something my parents let me know from early on, it's that they were very intent on me keeping up with my roots as an African. Sure, I'd been born and lived all my life in New Jersey, but they still let me learn just about all there was to learn about my culture. 
At home, we spoke Yoruba almost exclusively, and we ate Nigerian meals a lot. I absolutely loved jollof rice. My siblings and I learned songs, dances, and even Yoruba adages, which my dad would sometimes present to us to decipher, with rewards if we could do it successfully. My parents' thinking was that as diverse as America was, it was important to maintain your history and culture. My dad especially wanted his children to be able to contribute to the cultural diversity of the country, rather than just get swept away in a sea of cultures from everywhere with no sense of identity. He would always tell us that we could give only to our children what we had, and if we had no knowledge of who we were, others will create our own identity for us. Part of keeping in touch with our identity was traveling to Lagos every Christmas to spend time with my grandparents and our extended family. It was usually fun, except that sometimes I had a hard time remembering who was who and sometimes mixing up names. One name I never mixed up with others was Uncle Falarin. Uncle Falarin was the kind of person you met once and always remembered, not because he was pleasant and warm, but because of the opposite. He was a mean, sly man, and he had this awful way of insulting you and making it look like a compliment. According to one of my aunts, he was quite jealous of my dad, as he also had plans to relocate to the US when he was much younger, but it fell through. I guess beefing my dad wasn't enough for him, because he made sure he was a thorn in my sibling and I's sides. He was always trying to start some trouble, even when we all gave him a wide berth to avoid it. Of course, my dad knew about Uncle Fola's harassment. He always encouraged us not to escalate anything, and always smile and move on like nothing happened. A couple of times, my dad confronted Uncle Fola about his behavior, and each time, Uncle Fola would say that we, my father's children, were simply spoiled rotten, and he was showing us how the real world was. If he could, my dad probably would refuse to stay around his brother at all. But my grandfather had this whole tradition of having every one of his children around for the holiday, and my dad basically had to bear through the whole thing so as to not upset Baba. It wasn't until a couple of years ago that I would come to know just how awful Uncle Fola was as a person. See, my dad thought it would be a good idea for me to spend some time in a Nigerian school for at least a term, or semester if you really want to be American about it. This was because I had gotten into a bit of trouble in school and he wanted to teach me a lesson. Personally, I didn't see it as more than just an inconvenience. My mom had tried to discourage my dad, but he was quite adamant and said that his decision on the matter was final. So I came to Nigeria and got registered in an all-boys boarding school. The first week into my stay in Nigeria, I quickly picked up that my stay probably wasn't going to be as smooth as I thought it was. The first thing I noticed was that things were a lot less moderated. You had to be careful who you spoke to, especially if they were seniors. How you spoke to people determined whether you were about to get your butt whooped or not. Yes, physical discipline and corporal punishments are a part of Nigerian society that I wasn't used to. And quite honestly, it was a bit of shocker the first time I experienced it. In the US, you could get into a lot of trouble for laying hands on another student. In Nigeria, no one really cared. And most people assumed that you must have messed up real bad to get beaten, especially if the said beating was done by a senior. It wasn't just seniors beating though. Teachers regularly walked around with wooden canes and they did not hesitate to beat erring students. Now, I have quite the sharp mouth on me, so I learned how things worked pretty fast. There was a particular teacher who seemed to have it out for me though, Mr. Festus. He would punish me with extra labor for absolutely no reason. 
He also insisted on calling me Americana in a tone filled with venom and distaste. For the most part though, my stay in Nigeria was pretty good. I was starting to assimilate quite quickly into Nigerian culture, and as someone who's lived in a multicultural environment all his life, I loved it. Nigeria had so many tribes and languages, and my school seemed to be a cauldron of all of these different tribes all in one. I was having so much fun, I didn't realize what I was in for. On visiting day, the day when families and friends of students were allowed to come in and spend time, I was shocked to see that the one person who had come to visit me was Uncle Fola. How he knew my school was a mystery to me because I knew my dad would never have told him. I would later find out that my grandfather was supposed to be the one to come visit me, but my uncle had insisted on going in his place. What was worse was the fact that when I was called to see him, he was standing there with Mr. Festus. You can probably already guess where this is going. My uncle basically claimed that as my guardian, he had the authority to place Mr. Festus as my supervisor and that he gave him full authority to do whatever he had to do in the promotion of my interests. I couldn't believe the words I was hearing, but there really wasn't much I could do about it, so I basically just stood there seething. I was going to be locked up with this monster of a man who had been empowered by another monster of a man to mistreat me as he saw fit. I could already imagine all the horrible things Mr. Festus had in mind for me. Mr. Festus must have a very creative mind, because even I could not fathom the sort of horrors he put me through. He immediately went to work, basically turning me into a slave and sending me on all sorts of errands including doing his laundry. By hand! If that wasn't bad enough, he would pick the absolute worst times to send me on these errands. Like when it was time for sports and I was about to start playing basketball. Or his personal favorite, when I was in another class. It frustrated me to no end, but there really wasn't much I could do about it, and so basically I just had to cope with the relentless assault. I tried a few times to contact my dad, but that was basically impossible to do, as not only was the use of phones not permitted in my school, but I didn't know my dad's number, so even if I had somehow gotten access to a phone, it wouldn't have helped me much. So I carried on. It was hellish, but I carried on with the one consolation that this was as probably as bad as it was going to get. The next visiting day, things got worse. My parents had sent me money and had requested that they speak to me when my grandfather came to visit. Somehow though, my uncle had again convinced my grandfather to let him come in his stead. He then gave allowance to Mr. Festus to thank him for the work he had done so far and said he had already called my parents to say that he had seen me and I was fine. There was no need for me to talk to them and he'd be back at the end of the term to pick me up. I don't know which one of those things he said pushed me to my breaking point, but at that very instance, I made up my mind that I was done being a pawn and I would fight back. I didn't know how, but I knew that I would make them both pay for what they had done. As I went back to my dormitory, I'd already started scheming. First, I had to deal with Mr. Festus. With his grimy hands, he'd stolen my allowance and had grinned while doing it. It wasn't going to be easy going after him without raising suspicion, but I was determined to pay him back. For weeks, I tried to find a weakness that would allow me to strike, but I just couldn't figure out any way that wouldn't ultimately be directly traced back to me. However, one day while I was walking to the cafeteria for lunch, I found a way. One of my friends had seen a plant, 
and had immediately jumped to avoid it touching him. When I asked what it was and why he'd reacted so suddenly, he told me that the plant he had tried to avoid was called the velvet bean that was very reactive with human skin and that if it somehow touched a person, it would itch and burn for hours on end. In fact, he had experienced someone have it put in his water as a sort of prank. The victim's body had been seriously damaged from him trying to scratch off the itch and he was in so much pain that he had to be sedated on his way to the hospital. His parents had been so upset, they had sued the school and withdrawn their son. In that moment, I knew just how I'd get back at Mr. Festus, but that didn't seem like punishment enough. Eventually, I set up my plan and started executing it. It started with rubbing a little of velvet bean leaves on his trouser when I got them in from the line when they were hung to dry. The second part of my plan involved writing some pretty inappropriate letters to another one of our teachers, Mrs. Veronica. I made sure I'd copied his handwriting style for a little more authenticity. For the next week, Mr. Festus could be found randomly scratching furiously. It got so bad that it became a source of embarrassment for him. He was either too daft or too cocky to realize what I had done. Then the case of sexual assault came up. Because of course, Mrs. Veronica reported the creepy letters to the school authority. He was fired within 72 hours to the joy of many students, but especially me. I made sure I watched him get escorted out of the premises by school security with a smirk on my face. Did he end up putting two and two together? Who knows? I had bigger fish to fry. To deal with my uncle, I had to not only be smart, but also quick. I had to spend a whole week with my uncle before my mom could come pick me up, and I knew that it wouldn't be easy executing my plan in time, but I was intent on making it work. I decided to replicate the part of my plan that had been the most successful with Mr. Festus, but add a little twist to it. I would catfish my uncle and get him to expose himself. Let's see how his wife liked having a sneaky little weasel as a husband. On the last day of school, the school authority returned all of the phones of the students who had brought them to school, so I immediately got into action. Of all the weird things I've bought, the catfish account on Instagram that was so good, it was actually believable, tops the list. I immediately inboxed my uncle, pretending to be interested in him. He took the bait, hook, line, and sinker. By day four, he was already asking to meet up, and I had him book a hotel in a pretty expensive hotel in Lagos Island. When I was satisfied with everything I'd gotten, including a few interesting photos he'd taken of himself, I sent screenshots of everything to his wife anonymously. It worked a treat. By the time I left Uncle Fola's house to return to the US, his wife had already moved out of his house. She took the children with her. The next time we came over for Christmas, Uncle Fola did not show up for some reason. We heard all sorts of rumors from the rest of the family. Some said that his wife leaving him had almost turned him mad. And I even heard that he lost his job and house too. My siblings knew what I did, and till today we still laugh about it, but our parents have absolutely no idea. Even if they did, I doubt they would really have cared at all. They were, after all, quite furious when they had heard that he had not only been the only one from the family who had seen me the whole term I was in boarding school, but he had helped someone else misappropriate my money. I told them that part. I hope that wherever Uncle Fola and Mr. Festus are, they learn not to mess with people again. The sad part is, I bet they never even learned their lesson. 
I bet they didn't realize they were too dense to realize that OP or some mysterious third party had totally had it out for them. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 